Today's episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15 is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from GoToMeeting all about making work from home work for you. With indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated, and productive at home, we're here to help you in this brave new remote working world. Add to your flash briefing on Alexa or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. Could we have games without spectators? And we return to our series of player profiles with a pair of 20-something hurlers. Like death and taxes, Dodgers get a Dodger. I have not had the three cold brews yet. Got ahead of me on uh, my my caffeine question, so glad glad to know that there's been uh, some caffeination in your life. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy in 15 on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Thursday, April 2nd. Al Melchior here with Michael Beller. And, uh, Michael, we've got uh, a few news items, of course, relating to the uh, suspended season. And we'll get to those in a second. But I do want to start off with a, a note about a player that we've talked about in recent weeks. An update that I think is very interesting. Um, Matt Blake, the uh, pitching coach for the Yankees, told reporters that Jonathan Loisega was... Uh, probably slated to be the fifth starter. Um, so that's, I think, just something that we need to uh, you know keep in mind. Obviously, whenever the season resumes, it'll be James Paxton in the rotation. But if you're thinking about you know a sixth starter, uh, replacement starter kind of um, candidate, just bear that in mind. But let's get on to uh, some of the other news here. The London series uh, between the Cardinals and the Cubs has been canceled, as has been anticipated. And in a report from the New York Post, Joel Sherman Games without spectators is something that's becoming more and more likely. He talked to some uh, club executives, and they seemed uh, fairly optimistic that that was something that was going to happen. And also in Sherman's report, he says that uh, the season could start without minor league affiliates playing games this year. So that's obviously a big change. And in another note here, a really nice one here, Michael, uh, Shinsu Chu is donating $1,000 to every Rangers minor leaguer. And there's 190 total minor leaguers in the Rangers system. So a lot of bad news, but uh, at least a little bit of good news there to uh, to balance everything out. Great news from a great player, a guy who I've always loved watching play, uh, a guy who I felt never got just due as a player as he has moved into his late 30s. And uh, love to see a guy like that reaching out to uh, the players in his organization and doing some uh, work uh, in his uh, in his hometown in South Korea as well. So uh, really great work from Shin Soo Ju there. Yeah, no, he's a favorite of mine too. So this certainly does not uh, make him like me any less, to make me like him any less, I should say. <laughs> does he like I you? He I likes you too? I don't know how Shinsu Chu feels about me. Uh, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll circle back to that on a future episode, I'm sure. But let's uh, get to our player profiles. So this has been, uh, an, uh, we're starting sort of an ongoing series with this, so we're getting back to it. And a couple of pitchers that uh, I think we both really want to talk about, Chris Paddock and Nick Pavetta. And uh, I'll explain a little bit. I actually made a special request to talk about Pavetta on this show, and I'll explain why when we get to him. But, uh, Mike, let's start with Chris Paddock here. So when we've talked about him in other episodes, I think the focus has been a lot on the fact that he really, as good as his 2019 season was, really only had two good pitches. Uh, His curveball was, I I think you could say, at best inconsistent. And actually, in in, – 
doing a little research for this episode, came across a piece I hadn't seen before by Michael Augustine of Fangraphs on how Paddock changed his curveball two different times uh, during the season. So he kind of started out with one version of it early in the year and then made some changes and then made yet another set of changes. Um, but the four-seamer and changeup were spectacular. This stat I love. Um, almost half of his cha- changeups got chases when they were out of the zone. So almost a 50% um, O-swing rate on Paddock's changeup, which, of course, went a long way to why he walked almost nobody last year. So how are you feeling about Paddock? Because the whole Arsenal thing, I think it makes me a little less uh, optimistic about him than, than a lot of other people. I think that I am higher on him than most. I'm definitely higher on, uh, on him than you are, uh, based on what you just said. And we've yeah. had a few light conversations on Paddock. We haven't gotten to him in an in-depth way like we're going to over the next couple of minutes here. But uh, I believe in Chris Paddock, and I have to go back to what he did in the 2019 season as the foundation for why I believe in him in 2020 and going forward. So, Al, last year, and I'll admit up front, I'm using some arbitrary endpoints here, but it illustrates just how good his season was last year. So last year, he had a whip of 0.98. He did this over 140 and two-thirds innings. He had an ERA plus of 127, and he had a K rate of 26.9%. Do you know how many other pitchers in Major League history hit all of those thresholds in their rookie year? In history? Wow. I'm just going to, out of the blue, guess two. It's one. Jose Fernandez is the other. That's pretty good company. Now let's add in K minus walk rate. Paddock's K minus walk rate was 21.5%, just like you said, a very good walk rate last season. He was the only pitcher in MLB history to hit all five of those thresholds as a rookie. And I can go you even one better here, Al. Take the ERA plus down to 120. Take the K rate down to 25%. Take the K minus walk rate down to 20%. He cleared those easily. Even if you lower it to those levels, he is still the only rookie to clear all five of those marks ever. So I think that the concerns about him developing developing a third pitch are well-founded. I think that it is something that he will need to do if he is going to maintain his 2019 levels and per- perhaps ascend to another level. But we need to understand the sort of accomplishment that he is going into his second season already having under his belt. This is a very good pitcher. And, and the, the piece that you pointed to on Fangraphs, I hadn't seen it either until you uh, had put it in the rundown email that you and I were exchanging before the show. So I went and read it. And I think that even though the curveball wasn't a successful offering for him last year, as you said, inconsistent at best, um, the fact that he's willing to tinker with it shows you, A, that he understands that he needs it if he's going to be the pitcher that he wants to be, and B, that the willingness to work on it um, should give you confidence that it is a pitch that he can make better when you combine that with the fact that he already has the great fastball, that he already has uh, the great changeup, that he came up last year as a guy who you know the Padres were really excited about and the fantasy community was really excited about, didn't have you know an excellent draft pedigree, but... Uh, overcame that during his run-up in the minors and looked like a guy who could be a true front-of-rotation starter as he was coming up through the Padres minor league system and then did that last year. So I do think that curveball needs to develop, but the fastball and the changeup are excellent. I mean, the changeup is an excellent pitch, and if he does get that curveball, even just to be a consistent offering, even to be something that hitters have to think about and it's not something they can just forget about as they step into the box, then this is going to be a guy, I think, who really elevates his game as he progresses 
into his mid-20s. I like Chris Paddock a lot. I put a lot of faith in what he accomplished as a rookie. And with that, combined with the fact that he's already working on the changeup, we got a lot of good stories out of the spring, or excuse me, the curveball, a lot of good stories out of spring training about him focusing on that, that being the main focus of his work in the spring before baseball shut down. I give him the benefit of the doubt that he is not only going to continue working on it, but make it at least enough of a pitch that it uh, adds to what is already a very strong two-pitch mix, gives him a fully rounded arsenal, and makes him a front-of-rotation starter for years to come. Yeah, well, I certainly do like that narrative. I, I buy into it in terms of him being willing to tinker with the curveball, including, as you just mentioned, right into the spring. Uh, working on a new grip and and throwing it a lot uh, to try to get it the way that he wanted it. So, um, you, you know, progress isn't linear. I know that's pretty much a cliche in terms of talking about baseball development, but, uh, you know, it, it is also it's cliche because it's generally true. And whether or not that work is going to pay off uh, in 2020, you know, assuming that there are going to be games played or whether it's 2021, I don't know, but I certainly do like you take that as a, uh, as a positive sign for Paddock at some point. Now, one of the things that you cited in support of Chris Paddock uh, and rightfully so was this K minus BB rate. And I've, I've seen it, you know, written about and, and discussed and, you know, talked about as, you know, something that really correlates well with success but I got to say, Michael, I, I never really, I think, appreciated the degree to which it correlated with success. But um, on Wednesday, I, I ran some regressions because, you know, what else am I going to do, you know, during the <laughs> shutdown here? Um, and so I, I regressed K minus BB percentage uh, against ERA for every qualified pitcher for the last five seasons. And it was a really strong correlation. Um much stronger than I expected. So, you know, that's a very, very good sign. And I'm going to use that as a way to segue into a discussion about Nick Pavetta. But did you know that 75% of us are walking around everyday life chronically dehydrated? We are suffering needlessly from frequent headaches, energy slumps, and poor focus. It doesn't have to be this way. Hydrant creates flavored electrolyte packets you mix directly into your water to make hydrating your body easy and delicious. Each rapid hydration mix has the four essential electrolytes your body needs. Sodium, potassium, magnesium, and zinc help you hydrate quickly and stay hydrated all day. And Hydrant is backed by research. The formula was developed by Oxford scientists to provide perfectly balanced, efficient hydration. There are no synthetic colors, no artificial sweeteners. The formula is vegan, and you can choose between three different flavors or a variety pack. Hydrant starts at just a buck a packet for a 30-day supply. You can save even more with a monthly subscription. And for 25% off your first order, go to drinkhydrant.com and enter promo code BASEBALL at checkout. That's drinkhydrant.com and enter the promo code BASEBALL for 25% off your first order. So the thing with Nick Pavetta is that, you know, he had that season in 2018 where he had an ERA close to five, but he did have a really good K minus BB percentage. And so he was a trendy sleeper going into 2019. And then when he flopped in 2019, uh, you know, I felt like a lot of people just sort of bailed on Pavetta. Now, the, the reason why I, I decided or I, I asked you, if, you know, we could talk about it on this show. And I was really kind of eager to do so is that in our um, out of the park league among the uh, the athletic writers, uh, the um, Melgan Montemoro, the, the Phillies beat writer, she's running the Phillies. And she put uh, a note out on our Slack that uh, Pavetta was on the trade block. 
and I'm running the Astros, and I thought, you know, it seems like a, a move the Astros would make. Try to go after, you know, a, a player who's maybe hit the hit the low point of mm-hmm. uh, perceived value. So I floated an offer of uh, Jared Hughes, which she flatly rejected. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, Hughes, Hughes two years ago was a, was a really good reliever. I thought it was worth the shot. She specifically asked for relief help. So I came back with Joe Smith. I haven't heard from her yet, but in between making the offer for um, with with Hughes and deciding to upgrade to Smith, I thought, well, let me look into the 2019 season for Pavetta. Is there a reason to really be that down on him? And what I found in in looking at that correlation between K minus BB rate and ERA, not only does it correlate strongly within the same season, but pitchers with a good K minus BB rate tend to have a really good ERA the following season. And, you know, conversely, uh, if they have a poor rate, then they tend to have a poor ERA in the following season as well. Um, there's very, very few exceptions to that rule. So that just convinced me that I, you know, I'm going to go, go in on Pavetta here and raise the stakes a little bit. So, you know, what are your thoughts about Pavetta, um, you know, going into 2020 here? Uh, do you see him as a, a buy low candidate, somebody who has a really strong uh, possibility of bouncing back? Or do you see something that could maybe keep him as the exception to the rule? Yeah, well, first of all, K minus walk rate, having that uh, sort of stickiness makes sense. I mean, the best way to prevent runs from being scored is to prevent the ball from being put in play. Uh, so that's where the strikeouts come in. And, you know, what, what could be a harmless single with no one on could drive in two runs if you've walked a couple of guys and let them get on base without earning their way on themselves. So it makes a lot of sense. You want to make guys earn their way on and prevent the ball, the ball being put in play as much as possible. I think even though that sounds simple, that's why K minus walk rate has such a, a stickiness to it. And that's why it's something that I think a lot of fantasy owners, or all fantasy owners for that matter, should be using when they are evaluating pitchers. Now with respect to Pavetta, it my view on him uh, runs sort of in a perfect inverse to what I said about Chris Paddock in that as good as the stuff looks when it is at its best with Pavetta, the results just simply haven't been there. And eventually we got to get beyond stuff. We got to get beyond metrics. We got to get beyond the numbers and we got to see the raw production in terms of generating outs. And we just haven't seen it on a consistent basis from Nick Pavetta. We have a million numbers in baseball. It's part of what makes it such a fun game to dive into in the way that we do in the fantasy world. But ultimately, the game is about getting 27 outs and scoring more runs than your opponents do. And Nick Pavetta, quite simply, has not done that with any consistency in his career in terms of getting outs and helping his team, uh, the way a pitcher does, in run prevention, score more runs than the other team does. And we have had plenty of time with Nick Pavetta. Not you know, not, not a full run of a career, of course. Um, and he has uh, had some injury and said to bounce back and forth from the minors. But we have seen a lot of him. He is now in his age 27 season. You know, he's still young, but not that young uh, when we talk about professional athletes and we just haven't seen it from him in any consistent degree so while I am still tantalized by the stuff from time to time while I see the numbers and understand that uh, they can often translate to a good pitcher the numbers that Pavetta has put up the peripheral numbers that he has amassed over his career why that if you just look at those purely you would be excited about him being a buy low pitcher it feels to me like that window has closed on him. That if it was going to happen, it would have happened. 
and it just hasn't clicked for Pavetta yet. So I still understand being intrigued by him, and I still I, 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 this isn't uh, this isn't um, you know, totally binary. I think you can still think he's a buy low guy without having a ton of optimism, and that's sort of where I am on him. If I can buy him low, I'm willing to buy him low because the stuff is still there, and that is always going to be the underlying foundation of almost any single pitcher who finds success in the majors. I just feel like if it was going to happen for Pavetta, we would have seen it at this point of his career, and we just haven't. So I am not nearly as bullish on him, even though some of the peripheral numbers suggest that there is a breakout somewhere in the offing. All right. Well, at least for now in our uh, OOTP league, uh, I'm I'm waiting for the breakout still. So although <laughs> I granted I haven't you know exactly been offering you know. The, the farm for it either but um speaking that's, a, that's yeah. a risky rotation you put together you throw him behind Lance McCullers and Jose Urquidy I mean you could uh the wheels could fall off that rotation eventually uh sure well I'm looking for depth <laughs> at this point <laughs> so uh we'll see we haven't even started simming the games yet but I'm sure we'll be coming back to that league uh, it's, it's fun and uh, a lot of interesting stuff that that could come out of that and speaking of out of the park uh we are continuing our giveaways uh so the winners for uh and i am saying winners plural and i'll explain why in a second the winners uh for wednesday's question were robert greenlaw and jeff podvinsky uh they gave different answers uh, and the reason why is uh i goofed up guys <laughs> i goofed up um so I read the, the question on the show as which player had the biggest year-to-year decrease in Fangraphs war over the last 10 years. The way I had it written up for our show description was minimum 14, minimum 400 plate appearances. So I got, uh, for, I got a smattering of wrong answers, but I got a smattering of right answers for one version and a smattering of right answers for the other version. So I just decided <laughs> to do two separate drawings. So uh, Robert Greenlaw correctly answered Jacoby Ellsbury uh, for overall biggest decrease in Fangraph's war, and Jeff Podvinsky got the correct answer of Carl Crawford with a minimum of 400 plate appearances in each season. So congrats to you both. Because there's a double winner, uh, I am not doing a question on today's show. And uh, for Friday's show, I got a suggestion from somebody to uh, say, is there a way I can reward people who have gotten every question right so far but haven't won a game? So I'm going to look into see. a little wild card winner. Yeah, so I'm not sure if anybody actually fits that, but so I'm going to do a little <laughs> research. And if there are uh, – well, if there's one person, probably just give that person the prize. And if there's multiple people, figure out a contest for that uh, that group. So stay tuned on that. And let's go to our featured read. This one is from Eno Saris. This is such a cool idea, Michael. I love this. A little look inside these recently published baseball books. Uh, it's you know truth in advertising. That's exactly what Eno's writing about. <laughs> Some recently published books. They all sound really interesting. And he talked to the author of each book. So you know instead of uh, you know trying to figure out you know which one of these six books should I buy, I think it was six, five or six. Um, you get a little you know sneak peek at uh, what the book is about from each of the authors. Very very cool stuff. I still am going to have trouble narrowing it down, <laughs> but read uh, read Eno's piece and uh, that'll help you out. So that's going to wrap things up for this episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15. If you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, you can get 40% off a subscription by going to theathletic.com slash baseball in 15. We are also still running a three-month free trial. And whichever way you go, everything that we do is a part of your subscription. If you're listening to this podcast on a platform that lets you leave a rating and a review, we would certainly appreciate it if you left a rating and or a review for us. So for Michael Beller, I'm Al Melker. We'll be back here again on Friday.